Our scripture this morning is the second chapter of the book of Jonah. Listen now for God's word among us. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will give sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon dry land. Early last week, before we began social distancing collectively, I had the opportunity to meet two wonderful men named John and Emil. They are both brothers of the Tizé community. The Tizé community is an ecumenical Christian monastic community in the Burgundy region of France. And more than 100 brothers live there from a variety of Christian traditions and represent about 30 countries from around the world. They are known for a worship tradition that honors silence and repetitive singing as forms of prayer. And they hold pilgrimages for people around the world. And they have a special calling to provide pilgrimage space for youth and young adults. Some years they interface with ten, tens of thousands of young adults in, in the world, amazing. Have you ever attended a worship and prayer service with music from the Tizé community? If you have, you will know that the worshiping community is invited to sing simple prayerful choruses repetitively and often with beautiful harmony too. These choruses invite us to center ourselves in the presence of what is larger than ourselves, the presence of God and the presence of those who surround us as we sing together. In many Tizé-style worship services, there is also a prolonged period of silence. Sometimes it can last even as long as 10 minutes. Have you ever sat in silence together in the midst of a community? 
If you have, you know that in the midst of that time, we can become easily restless. This is lasting a long time, we might begin to think. But sometimes we can also enter a period where we feel a greater sense of meaning. Silence is so rare in our world. It's even more rare to practice it together as a community. Suddenly we become connected to what is larger, not only what is beyond us, but also what is most foundational to us. Suddenly we are connected internally with what matters the most to us. We're also connected, reminded again of our present circumstances. We ponder all the gifts and callings of our lives, as well as what might be most difficult in our present circumstances. In that silence, we are connected and sometimes confronted with ourselves. When I had this conversation last week, Brother Emil said something that I have been pondering ever since. He said that people often describe Tizay music and silence as heartfelt, that these things are of the heart. Then he added, but the heart is not always about feelings. Continuing, he told us that in the Jerusalem Bible, an English translation of the Bible, the Hebrew word translated for heart, they translated as the real me. The real me. Brother Emil said, I love that. I love that too. He said that he wants to say music and silence to bring people in connection with their real selves in the presence of God and in the presence of their neighbors. And I found myself wondering, having sat in a variety of Tezay-style services over the years, having memories of those moments of silence, I wondered how many internal transformative experiences have taken place all around the world during periods of silence in these Tezay-style worship services. This month, the worshiping community here, First Presbyterian Church of Dearborn, is pondering the story of Jonah. In this story, we are also invited into that which is larger than ourselves. In this story, we are also invited into that which is most true within ourselves. Jonah is having this experience. Last week, we explored the first chapter of the story. And in that part of the story, Jonah receives a calling that he flat out does not want to fulfill. God tells Jonah that he is to go to the city of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, the capital of the empire that will eventually take the people of Israel into captivity He is called to tell them to repent and change their ways. And Jonah doesn't want to do it. So he's on the run. 
he decides instead that he will flee to the city of Tarshish. And when he puts this plan into place, everything goes wrong. He gets on a ship, and that ship is endangered when he, the crew, and the other passengers find themselves in a life-threatening storm. The crew determines that the storm has developed because Jonah is shirking his calling from God. So they throw him overboard into the sea, and Jonah prepares to die until he is swallowed up in the belly of a large fish. Now, last week, I shared that I love how satirical this story is. It's purposefully written to be dramatic and over-the-top, an outrageous, outlandish story somehow gets to the heart of universal aspects of the human experience. Have we not all been on the run at one time or another in a multitude of ways? Have we not also shirked our calling in a number of ways? Have we ever experienced the presence of God in situations we would never choose? Have we ever been moved in the heart, toward the heart, toward the real me? Jonah is now experiencing all of these at once. As I shared last week, Bob Marley has a song with these lyrics. You're running, and you're running, and you're running away. And you're running, and you're running, but you can't run away from yourself. Jonah can't run away from himself, or ultimately from the God who refuses to give up on him. Alone and silent, except perhaps for the gurgling of various fish organs, (laughs) Jonah prays in the belly of the large fish. Up to this point, in conflict with God, he's been resentful, afraid, and determined to be anywhere but Nineveh. He gets to the truth of himself, the truth of the situation, and the truth of of God's steadfast love, the real me, the real God. Jonah prays words of gratitude. Let's just hear them again. I called to the Lord out of my distress, and God answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed around me forever. Yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. 
As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true, idolat- their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. We might now expect that the heavens would part above the seas and some majestic, beautiful, sacred miracle might now take place. And maybe it is a miracle, but it's not like that. God speaks to the fish and it spews Jonah out. Jonah is now fish vomit. And guess what? The calling comes again immediately right at the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 3, which we'll hear next week. Jonah has emerged from the silence. He knows who he is, the real me, the one who is troubled, yes, and the one who is loved, yes. And he knows what he needs to do. As we've experienced, there's been more silence this week. Throughout our world, throughout our nation, throughout our local area, and throughout the various rooms of our own houses, there has been more silence. We're all practicing social distancing as best we can. In the wake of the coronavirus, the pandemic, we need to do this, not only for our own health, but primarily and especially for those whose health and living situations are the most vulnerable. They are the most susceptible to COVID-19. There's also been more clamor this week throughout our nation, throughout the world, throughout our local area, throughout the various rooms of our own houses, we have heard the panic. Maybe we've heard it aloud on newscasts or seen anxiety building on social media or grappled with our own internal fears, which might sound very loud inside. I believe there's a difference between concern and worry. It's not always easy to just flip a switch and stop our worries or even our panic. We are especially gonna need to take care of our mental health and the mental health of our neighbors. But concern is proactive with love toward ourselves and our neighbors. Worry zaps our energy and moves through our community like a virus. It even suppresses our immune systems as much as we can. It's not always easy. Let's privilege concern over worry. There's been more love this week throughout our world, throughout our nation, throughout our local area, throughout the various rooms of our own houses. We have seen ways 
that people are practicing love and care. In Washtenaw County, where I live, there is a Facebook group for mutual aid. People are passing money to each other. People who have lost income due to cancellations. And you know what we're doing? We're TPing each other's houses. (laughs) A different meaning there. (laughs) We're passing around toilet paper to people who are low on it. Or telling people. Even in a time like this, love can abound. And so I wonder, even amidst the pain and the changes and uncertainties, especially and changes and uncertainties, how can love abound? How can we quiet ourselves and connect with ourselves and our neighbors through this silence? What kind of inner transformation might you experience in the silence? or our world as a whole? How might we emerge differently from this silence? The real me, the real God, the real us, the real calling. In the silence, in the clamor, in the love, God goes with us. In the silence, in the clamor, in the love, we go with one another. Even in a time of social distancing, we cannot truly be disconnected from one another. So this week and in the weeks ahead, call each other, pick up the phone, check in with one another, Share your resources with one another. TP each other's houses. Love one another. Pray for one another. And let the transformation happen. As you do that, my love goes with you. And we are connected too. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, when we depart from here, I'm not going to do a sermon receiving line today (laughs) because sometimes that's in churches, that's where the illness has spread. I don't want to do that. But before you now, I want to say a word of gratitude of having been with you for the last four weeks. And as we go out from this place, know that you are deeply and profoundly loved. There is nothing you can do that can make that less. And so we share love with each other. Um, And God goes with us. Amen. (laughs) Amen.